But I think it's just, it's subtlety. In many cases, women have had a tougher road um, to travel in terms of um, getting to senior roles. And in many cases, they've probably had to work harder, be smarter, uh, be more sensitive. My guest today is Mark Coltifani, chairman at Bali-based Metals and former CEO of Anglo-American. Mark has been very vocal about gender equality in a male-dominated mining industry, which aligns with our mission here at Weekwell. Having been a CEO of four companies since 2006, Mark knows what it's like to command large organisations and inspire teams to deliver exceptional results. We delve into Mark's remarkable journey discussing his experiences and the challenges he's faced along the way. So, Mark, you are a seasoned CEO and a board member. What does it really take to lead in this industry at this level? Um, I could go through a lot of the technical things that the HR people will tell you. So it'll be capability, it'll be experience. Do you understand or do you connect with people? Uh, do you understand the technical issues that you may have to deal with in a particular industry? And that can be learned. Uh, or they'll talk about the commercial experience and understanding. And it's all of the above. But ultimately, it's about understanding and connecting with people, making a difference, helping to shape a vision for the organisation, and then understanding all the management things that need to follow to make sure you can deliver on commitments you make. And what has been your biggest challenge that you've faced? The biggest challenge and the biggest opportunity is always around people. Making sure you understand what's required in the organisation, how to bring our team together, how to pull people together in terms of aligning on a vision and a, a purpose in particular, and then making sure that you um, set out a work program that people understand and are committed to, and then each person is doing their part of the job and making sure we're working together as a team. So the biggest challenge is to bring a team together and ultimately motivate and take that team towards delivering a goal. And what are the biggest challenges facing global companies today, do you think? Understanding how to connect with different cultures and have conversations around things that are important to them, and then how you connect that to the strategies you've got in place to be successful, to make sure that you're delivering on their expectations as well as the needs of employees. Ultimately, all those things have to come together to deliver returns to shareholders. Uh, and I think it's probably going to get tougher, not easier, over the next five to 10, maybe 20 years. In your experience, what are the key skills needed to succeed within this new global landscape, do you think? The most important thing for me is an understanding or an appreciation of diversity, an understanding of different values and beliefs, and making sure that the organisation is sensitive to those requirements in different jurisdictions and is building a strategy that connects and delivers on what customers want. A broader social connection is required across these many jurisdictions 
So marrying all those pieces and delivering products that are cost competitive and have the quality, um, there are quite a few things that you have to do to get right. But in the end, if you can get the people side right, then you're well on the way to, to delivering, I think, a sustainable business. On a personal note, a key component in leadership is remaining healthy and resilient. What has been your secret to standing the test of time? In terms of on the physical side, I used to do about two or three days a week exercise, trying to at least um, manage all my bad habits or at least compensate for all my bad habits and eating and drinking and everything else. In COVID, I got up to six days a week and I've stuck with that. I've lost a few pounds. I need to lose a lot more. I've got a few scars in my head. I've had uh, things cut out of my head because I was a, a young surfer. So I'm sort of paying for the sins of the past. But I think keeping yourself healthy um, is a really important part. So you've got to give yourself enough time to look after yourself and make sure that you've got some type of balance in your life. If you're a CEO or you're taking on one of these very senior roles, it's very difficult to maintain balance. I think uh, one should always try and make sure you're giving yourself time, you're giving your family time, and you're giving yourself the ability to stay grounded and, and manage all the things you need to manage to be sustainable in of yourself. As you know, Wheatquell is on a mission to drive gender equality at the top of the world's largest companies. You've been a great supporter of Wheatquell, and you've often spoken out about the importance of gender equality in the mining industry. Why, why is this important to you? So firstly, inclusion and diversity, in my view, is a very important principle for any business because I think reflecting community and reflecting the breadth and depth of community in your organisation is really important to make sure that the conversations in the organisation reflect a sense of community and understanding of diversity and opportunity as well. So I think that's the first point. In the mining industry, in particular, we've been skewed to the male side in terms of diversity. So it's an even more important conversation. So gender diversity, I think, is a really important issue for the mining industry because of the skew that we have. When I started Anglo, uh, we had 11% of the workforce women. Um, in terms of um, executive roles, the top 100 roles, we only had 11 when I left, we were at 33% in the executive rank, so we'd improve, but we were still quite slow in the mining areas, particularly in parts of Africa. So that's changing, but it needs to change. And with a whole range of changing changes with technology, social expectations, I think those changes are becoming easier to put in place. And we're a better company, or Anglo's a better company, and the companies I'm working with now are better companies because of those changes, just in terms of expectations, the way we work together, um, the thought processes, the diversity of thought, the great ideas. In literally every space that we work, we're improving the business as a consequence of addressing those diversity issues, and in particular, gender diversity for the mining industry remains, I think, one of its most significant opportunities in terms of making our businesses better businesses. And if we go dive in a little bit uh, more detail, who will benefit from increased gender equality and why? In my view, will benefit because of that both physical and intellectual breadth that we have in the organisation should improve returns. In terms of the employee experience, I think replicating society in all of its 
complexities and in my, in my view, in the main positives, I think that experience at work for people should be enhanced. That would be my view. When I talk about employees as well, uh, it's not the resources. People say that, uh, or I've heard some people say, people are our most important resources. I think that's wrong. People aren't resources. People are much more than resources. In fact, people are the business. And so I think if we can make that personal experience better, then it's a better business by definition because people are the business, and I think that's critical. Uh, in terms of customers and all of those external relationships, I think we're a very different organisation when we're outward-facing with a, with a community inside the business that reflects what the business is more broadly. So I think it improves our customer relations, our community and social relationships. So I think it improves the business for employees, for shareholders, and in terms of our stakeholders because of the experiences and connections we make and because we're, I think, better tuned into a whole range of players, in particular our customers. What do you think is the major challenge women face in the corporate world? Perceptions. In some cases, the old boys club network. Um, I think they are starting to break down, but they're still there and, and we acknowledge they're still there. And in mining in particular, we see that. We've seen a lot of social commentary, let's say in the UK, uh, with misogyny in public sector or parts of the public sector. And I won't signal out anyone, but there there have been various cases. So there are still those perceptions and in particular, and, and I don't want to put this as an ageist thing, but there is a little bit of an older um, historical cultural aspect to many industries that's changing as the workforce changes over time. And that is accelerating, in my view. I think it's attitudes, it's it's people being educated, it's um, the engagement in the workplace, it's attracting women to industries they might not have otherwise thought of, like mining, uh, like engineering, and, and we're seeing all of that. I've, I've got a daughter that's an electrical engineer, and, and she's got a brother that's an electrical engineer, and they're extremely competitive, and it's great to see, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's an equal foot race in my view. And uh, it's quite fun to see the different attitudes. And they're very different individuals and they've got very different perspectives in, in terms of their careers and their career paths. Have you seen a difference between men and women in leadership? And if so, what? I think it's just, it's subtlety. Um, and in many cases, women have had a tougher road to travel in terms of um, getting to senior roles and in many cases, they've probably had to work harder, be smarter, uh, be more sensitive. Uh, but again, I wouldn't generalise because I think that's a bit unfair. But reflecting a different pathway, usually in the businesses I've worked, uh, meaning they're probably very capable, probably a little more thoughtful and open to other inputs than, than maybe those that have got there a little more on uh, the basis of well, you've been in the role long enough, it's time you should kick up. You're a guy and you've been there, this is the next role. Again, I'm careful not to make that too big a difference, but in many cases, women have had to come through a tougher road. Therefore, probably a little more thoughtful, can be a lot tougher at times. Uh, but again, I wouldn't overplay that because I think that would be unfair 
an unfair reflection in some ways in terms of uh, uh, how people manage. Because I think I think we've got a full there's a full range of women leaderships styles as there are men leadership styles, um, and it's more around the individual. The main reason I started Weekwell is because. The CEOs I spoke with said that they were struggling to find women for those top roles, and yet we've managed to find thousands. What's your experience been of finding and hiring women at executive level? Uh, my experience has been actually very positive. Um, if you looked at Anglo and the success of, of, of the ladies that we had have and had in leadership roles, they've generally done very well. My own experience has been pretty good. Uh, Freudis Camlin is now with Rio um, in their ESG role. So very happy with the experience I've had. You've got to go through the same process to go with everyone. So I wouldn't expect it to be any better or any worse. But as I said, given they've probably had to travel a little bit of a harder road to get there, you're probably going to have a little more success one would expect given what they've had to go through to get to the role. And, And to be honest, it probably reflects the experience I've had. They've done generally very well. Is there anything that you notice that women do in interviews that men don't or vice versa? Yeah, they listen to the question. <laughs> Go on, tell <laughs> me more. They tend to listen to the questions better, whether that's learned through experience in terms of interviews, knowing that they've got to put their case maybe a little bit differently, but they tend to listen better and, and answer the question and, and that wander off. Um but that's a first reaction, and uh, I'd have to reflect a little more. But that's my first, my first thought. What advice would you give male leaders on how to encourage and engage with women to actually help them advance? I think uh, all of us need to do unintended bias training. We found that really effective at Anglo, and the feedback I got personally from team members uh, was really helpful. Anique, Freudis and others used to give me great feedback. And in fact, Anique said something. She said, you listen differently to me than you listen to the guys. And I th- and, and we had to dig behind that a little bit. And in some ways, I was trying to give her more room because she was the lady in the room. She said, you're not helping me. She said, you know, you, it, it feels like you're trying to be too supportive. Or And then on other issues, you're not listening to me the same way. That feedback was really helpful. So the unintended bias training, I think, is really helpful because it alerts you to things you might not be aware of. And then secondly, listening to the feedback, both from the men and the women, because they'll give you they'll give you different perspectives on how you come across in the meetings. And I found that all of that really helpful. So what I would say is be open to feedback, ask for feedback, and try and understand how you're landing with the full team because it might help you adjust and make sure that you're managing, I'll use the word equitable, it's not the right word, but managing for everybody so that they can each make inputs and it doesn't appear as though you're favouring or not favouring one or the other. So it's it's helping you deal with those biases that we've all got. And I think you've got to be open to that and, and you've also got to promote the tough conversations, which I think also makes a difference. You're one of the first leaders that I've ever heard use the word unintended bias instead of unconscious bias. Talk me through that. As a leader, I will think about 
the team and individuals in the team, and I'll be very deliberate in the way I put things because I'm looking to help them bridge a conversation with maybe two or three of their colleagues in the room. I'm quite intentional in the way I do many things, but there will always be unconscious issues as well. But in being intentional, Anik would say, that's not helping me, and that comes back to your unconscious point. So it's a combination of unconscious and unintended. I think it's a bit of both. And as I said, as a leader, um, you you're not you won't be successful as a leader if it's if if you leave it all to chance. You have to, I think, be thoughtful and conscious of how you give feedback. Some people, it's like I'm working with Vale, and giving feedback to a Brazilian is very different to giving feedback to a Canadian. So my intention in terms of the way I deal in the conversation is, or my approach is very intentional. What I've got to be careful of is maybe there's an unintended consequence of that conversation, or if you're in a group, there's a third dimension, a different, it's not the one-on-one conversation, it's the impact you're having on the others around the room. So you have to be intentional, but make sure that there's not an unintended consequence of being intentional in those conversations. I know that sounds a bit convoluted, but it it is about being, you know, so they make you aware of your unconscious biases so you become more intentional but then be careful the unintended consequences of that might be um, damaging in a different way. What would you say is the biggest challenge globally for listed companies in getting more women to the top? Is Do we have um, the right uh, information for parents, young kids coming through the system school teachers, universities, to attract women to a whole range of professions that we're just not getting enough women applying for. And the mining industry is a classic example. Helping people understand how the world works, helping people understand how important mining is, helping people understand that we are a net positive contributor in terms of the environment, despite people's impression of digging holes. And that story, whether it's through social studies at school, or representatives of industry engaging or dealing, working with career counsellors, how do we encourage women to take a range of different choices in terms of the industries they choose because we need them. Wonderful. And lastly, Mark, what advice would you give to any new CEO taking over a large company? How good could it be? So what's your vision of the organisation And how do you make sure that vision is not simply your own vision, but is shaped by every employee? So ultimately, it's their vision. And if you can create a vision, a purpose that aligns the business, then you're off to a running start. And then management is just as critical as the vision, because without management, vision is just a dream. Uh, It's doing both, but, but the start has got to be can you see a different place to be and can you bring everybody in as part of that conversation and help them paint the dream of what the business should be and could be? Good advice. Mark, I knew this interview would be a pleasure. It's rare to interview someone who's had seemingly single-handedly and so positively disrupted a challenging sector. I'm sure our listeners have gained an incredible amount from what you've shared and your desire to continue to drive positive change is inspiring. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Chad. You're very kind. Thank you.
All the best. Tune in next week when I'll be speaking to another corporate leader seeking to transform the working world for women. Hit subscribe, be inspired, and be part of the change.